All right, well, um, if you uh, just came in, my name's Michael. I'm one of the pastors, and um, we're going to be going to our time of teaching right now. So if you're brand new, uh, inside your program is a green and white message note sheet. For those of you who are regular, you'll notice it's much smaller. I'll be going shorter today because Dre went so long last week. I'm trying to make up uh, for that. Uh, no, we're kicking off a new series. We've got a lot to do today, but I want to kick it off, get it started. And so if you guys are ready to go, I'm going to jump in and pray, and we'll jump in. You ready to go? God, we're just so thankful for what you're doing here in our church and the way you're waking us up, calling us on, uh, filling us with your spirit, teaching us how to listen and follow, and how you're calling us to join you on mission, uh, to be a light in a dark world, to pierce the darkness. And so, God, we pray today, as we kick off this brand new series, you'll be speaking to us about our lives, showing us areas where you want to bring light uh, into dark places, and then then turning us into people that that bring light to uh, a dark world. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, today we're kicking off this new series that's called Scent, Piercing the Darkness. And for those of you brand new, uh, this is actually the fourth mini-series in a longer running series. Think of it like the fourth season in a longer running drama uh, that's called Scent. And Scent is a study that's based on one of the most important books in our Bible, in the New Testament, that's called the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, it kind of lays out the rise and the rapid growth of the early movement of Jesus that starts right after the resurrection of Jesus and then over the next 30 years it spreads across the Roman Empire. So if you've been with us in the series, we just finished the last series, we saw that the church of Jesus is now for the first time in history beginning to expand out not just to Jewish people but to uh, Gentiles. And so up to this point, uh, the movement of Jesus has been kind of completely uh, Jewish Uh, But in our last series, we saw as the Holy Spirit began to show the early church that the message of Jesus was not just for Israel. It was not just for those who would convert to Judaism. The message of Jesus, the Messiah, was for all of creation. And so uh, we ended the last series as the church at Jerusalem gets together, um, and they have this major conference where they really seek God's direction. And the Holy Spirit's very clear that both Jews and Gentiles can become part of the Messiah's kingdom, but uh, they, And we all come the same way. We all come through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, not through any works or circumcision or uh, Jewish laws or things like that. And so now that they're clear on that, we're ready for the message of, of Jesus to be able to expand rapidly and, and for the light of Jesus to pierce the darkness into the Roman world even deeper. And so what we're going to see in this series is that the Apostle Paul is going to select a new team to travel with him And they're going to be sent out on what we traditionally call uh, Paul's second and third missionary journey. Now, I don't really like that term because it sounds too churchy for me. So I like to call it Paul's second and third um, Jesus-sharing expedition, all right? So that's what we call it. But uh, but anyway, they're going to, and what they're going to do is they're going to share the message of Jesus where it's never gone before in the areas surrounding the Aegean Sea which would be uh, like modern-day Turkey and Greece. In fact, let's get oriented. There on your note sheet is a map. We'll be using this until Jesus comes. And so uh, you'll notice on the right side of the map, on the very right side, there's a city called Antioch. Remember, that's the church of Antioch, third largest city in the Roman Empire. That is where the Apostle Paul is going to be leaving from. It's his home church. And what he's going to be doing today is traveling north, if you follow the arrows north, and kind of going through the areas, we'll talk about this more later, but heading over towards modern-day Turkey and then around the Aegean Sea, modern-day Greece. All right, so, um, so that's what we're going to be seeing in this series as they take the message of Jesus uh, out. Now, 
Uh, today, what, as we kick off this series, and it is going to be a shorter message, we're going to watch how, how Paul selects and the Holy Spirit helps him select his team that he's going to have these adventures with. All right, so if you have your Bibles, uh, if you have your apps, let's go ahead and open up, turn them on there in your note sheet. It's a section called Piercing the Darkness. I want to introduce you to the players today. That who are the key, the key players on this team? So we're going to pick it up in chapter 15 and verse 36. So sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas. Now, for those of you who have been with us in this series, you know that Paul and Barnabas are very close. I don't know if they're best friends, but if they're not best friends, they've got to be very close to be best friends. Because uh, remember, it was Barnabas that after Paul first became a Christian, that Barnabas was the one who vouched for him back in the church of Jerusalem and, and, and started that. Uh, later on, after Paul went to Tarsus, his home city, it was Barnabas that went up and said, hey, we got a lot of new believers in Antioch. Why don't you come down and help us lead that church? It was Paul and Barnabas that the church at Antioch, the Holy Spirit said, send Paul and Barnabas out on their first Jesus-sharing tour in chapters 13 and 14. So these are men, they have hung together for a long time. They are very close friends. They have risked their lives together. And yet today, we're going to see something really unexpected happen. So anyway, so Paul is going to go to Barnabas. Remember last week, they just returned now from Jerusalem, where they were at the Jerusalem Council. They've been back home in Antioch now. And uh, so sometime later, probably a few months later, Paul says to Barnabas, hey, why don't we go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. So what he's talking about is back in chapter 13 and 14, remember the church at Antioch, the Holy Spirit said, separate Paul and Barnabas for the ministry that I've called them to. And they had taken two of their brightest and best leaders. They sent them out on that first Jesus-sharing expedition. You remember that? So what Paul is saying is, hey, it's been a couple years. Let's go back and see how the believers are doing. Remember, there's no email. There's no uh, Snapchat. There's no uh, Instagram. There is no, uh, you know, not even phone calls, you know, the old school. Uh, that uh, there's no way. You know, so let's go back and see how they're doing. And so Barnabas says, I love it. But at this point, they're going to have a major conflict. Now, I don't know if you've ever been part of a church, not that this ever happens, <laughs> where there is a major conflict among leadership. Um, usually, to be honest, usually it's for stupid reasons. Usually it's for selfish, ego-driven reasons. But not always. Sometimes there's a philosophy, uh, ministry philosophy is issue or something like that. And they're going to have a major conflict. And this conflict is going to be so big that these two best buds, uh, ministry partners, the dynamic duo, are going to split up. This is like Batman and Robin going different directions. This is big. Like you know, Shaq and Kobe. I mean, this is like <laughs> Batman versus Superman. Uh, you know, this is like, uh, for those of you really old, Simon Garfunkel. Anyway, um, <laughs> this is going to be amazing. And it just comes completely by surprise. I mean, these are two of the top leaders in the early movement of Jesus. These are people that love Jesus passionately. These are two gifted men, prophetic men who've heard the voice of God in their lives, complete men of character, and yet they're going to run into such a big conflict, they feel like we can't work together anymore. This would be like, like Pastor Dave Cox and me saying, like, we cannot work together anymore. 
This would be like Dre and I saying, we can't work together anymore, which is a little bit more believable. But <laughs> I can't believe, how does anyone not love nature? What is wrong with that? Yeah. Crazy. It's like God's creation, man. It's like you don't like nature, you don't like God. What, what, what? Anyway. All right. I like New York City. Uh, great, you know, it's going to burn, baby. All right, so. Uh, all right, so this is a huge deal. So what's the issue? So what's the issue? Here's the issue. If you were here in our last series that on, on, their, on their first missionary journey, um, it was Paul and Barnabas, and they selected a younger man like an assistant, like a junior assistant, to come with them. His name was John Mark. Mark was a great guy. He's later going to write the Gospel of Mark. But uh, he deserts them. Partway on their journey, when they get to Perga, the city of Perga, in the area of Pamphylia, on their first journey, he deserts them. Now, we don't know why he deserted them, but we know it was not for a good reason. Right? Because Luke uses strong language. He deserts them. So it's not, you know, I don't know if he's like missing his mother's cooking or whatever the thing was, but he leaves, and, and so now they're getting ready to go on the second journey, and Barnabas wants to give him a second chance. And Paul's like, no, no, no. Now remember that on their first journey, it was extremely dangerous, wasn't it? In town after town, their lives were in danger. In one town, Paul was stoned. Remember that? It's when he had the vision of the third heaven. That's no, kidding. Uh, no, he... Uh, he was actually, he, he was left for debt. You remember that? And so when you're in battle, you want to be able to trust the, the guy on your left and the guy on your, on your right. You want to be in your foxhole. You want people you can trust. You don't want someone the going gets tough. It's like, I'm going back home. So Paul feels like, no, no, no. We're going back to the area where I was stoned. I, I want to take someone we can depend on. Barnabas, I remember uh, Mark, John Mark is Barnabas's cousin. They're family. And he's like, no, no, we want to give him a second chance. So you can kind of understand both sides, can't you? It's like, which side would you be on? And before you answer that, remember, your life is on the line. Okay? So anyway, they're going to have this major conflict, and here's what's going to happen. So, John, uh, so uh, Barnabas is going to say, fine, I'll take John Mark, and I'm going to head to the south and to the west, back to the island of Cyprus, where they started their journey last time. And Paul's going to recruit a new colleague named Silas, who is a top leader from the church of Jerusalem that uh, has the gift of prophecy, which is going to come in handy later on. And he's going to go north. And so basically, they're going to go visit the churches of their first journey, but they're going to start at opposite ends, right? So that's what they're going to do. So let's see what happens. So uh, 36, so Paul says to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns that we preach the word of the Lord, see how they're doing. So Barnabas wants to take John, also called Mark, but uh, Paul didn't think it was wise because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and did not continue with them in the work. And so they had such a sharp disagreement, and this is in the Greek, very strong language, they parted company. So Barnabas takes Mark and they sail to Cyprus, you can see it on your map, but Paul chose to Silas and they leave Commended by the believers there in Antioch, the church that sent them out on their first missionary journey. They're going to get together, pray for them, trust them to the Lord, because they're going to need that. This trip's going to be very dangerous, as we'll see. Uh, they commend them to the grace of the Lord. And so verse 41, so Paul, and by the way, we're not going to see Barnabas anymore. Uh, Luke's going to follow the Paul storyline. Barnabas is going to kind of fade out now. 
But uh, Paul and Silas are going to go through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So if you look at your map, uh, your map doesn't lay out the Roman provinces or areas of, of Cilicia. But um, if you look at, um, on your map, Tar if you find Tarsus, Tarsus, remember, was Paul's home city. It was a major university town. Um, that, uh, that's in Cilicia. So what, they, what they're saying is that they're going to re reverse their course from their first trip. And they're going to travel these churches. So the first one they're going to come to is in Derby. So on their first missionary journey, they got as far as Derby, but coming from the west. And they stopped there, and then they backtracked, if you remember. So they're, gonna, they're coming from the different direction. Now they're coming from the, um, from the uh, east this time and heading west. They're going to stop at Derby. And when they get to Derby and Lystra, uh, something very important is going to happen. Um, that... Uh, Paul really wants to still find a replacement for John Mark to join him on this team. He wants to have a team of three. And so the, when Paul had gone to Derby on their first trip, uh, he had led a woman and her son to the Lord. So the woman's name was uh, Eunice, and her son's name was Timothy. Okay? So Timothy uh, is going to become a major player on this trip. But from this point on, he's going to become a major player, a leader in the movement of Jesus. And so when Paul comes into town, it turns out that Timothy has been growing like a weed. Now, we don't know exactly how old uh, Timothy was when he gave his life to Christ on that first missionary trip, but probably a teenager. Because later on in his life, about 15 years later, Paul will write a letter to him, and uh, he will be the leader of all the churches of Ephesus at that point kind of the bishop of Ephesus, but he's still going to be a young man. Paul will still call him a young man. And he'll say, don't let anyone look down on your youth. So he's probably a teenager at this point. And I want to do a quick sidebar here. I want to do a quick sidebar here for all of you who are in your teen years or your 20 years, uh, your, in your 20s. That I just want to challenge you that if you're in your teen years or your 20s right now, these are some of the most important years of your life. And you need to be investing them well. You know, we live in a culture today that's a culture of uh, what psychologists or sociologists would call delayed adolescence, right? People are growing up late, uh, staying at home forever, coming back home again, uh, boomerang generation, right? Uh, and of course, there's a bunch of reasons for that. Some of it's legit and so on. But, but if you're in your teens or in your 20s right now, that you have grown up in a culture like this and there is a societal force, a worldly force that is calling you to waste your life. It's calling you to kick back. Hey, when I hit my 30s or whatever, I'll engage. I'll find my calling in life. I'll figure it out. But what is happening is causing a whole generation to miss a foundation laying years that are so critical for your long-term success and impact for the kingdom. And so what Paul will write to Timothy, and Timothy will be probably in his young 30s when he's writing this, he'll say, do not let anyone look down on you for your youth. He'll say, but instead, be a model to the believers and your faith, and your love, and your perseverance. And he'll say, use the gifts God has given you and invest in those gifts and work hard at it so everyone can see your progress. In fact, he will say in 2 Timothy 4, he will say, train yourself for godliness. And the word in Greek is gymnazo. It's where we get our work gymnasium from. Basically, he's saying like, hey, 
uh, you need to be pursuing Jesus with a full heart today. Don't wait till you're considered old enough. And what I want to say to you today, if you're 17, if you're 23, you're not the future of the church, you are the church, right? And so it's time for you to rise up and to pursue Jesus with a full heart and train yourself for godliness and invest your time well and seek God for his calling on your life because there is no time in the future you can come back and replace what you should have done today. You can't come back when you're 39 or 35 and recapture the year when you were 24. And so what needs to happen, of course, this is true for all of us, but in this passage, my heart and passion is for those of you who are in your teens and 20s, God has a calling on your life. God has a purpose in your life. I'm just challenging you, do not waste these years. Invest these years. Work hard these years. Seek him what's his calling on your life. Develop your gifts. Pursue the kingdom. Because you will be preparing yourself for a, life, a lifetime of impact for Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right. In the sidebar. <laughs> So anyway, so here's what's going to happen. So Paul's going to come in, young man Timothy. He's been growing like a weed, pursuing Jesus. And, uh, and so all the believers in the area have just speak super highly. This guy is on the ball. And so Paul wants to recruit him. But there's a problem. And the problem is, is that Timothy was raised in a mixed faith household. So his mother was a Jew. And she raised him to worship the God of Israel raised him in the word of God, but his father was a non-believer. He was a Greek. Now, if you're a Greek, the Greeks worship the human body. This is why they're so big on sculpture and they're always naked. They have the beauty of the human body. So Greeks would never circumcise their children because that would be like defacing the human body. So Timothy grows up. He's, he's, he's not circumcised on the eighth day like a Jewish baby, baby boy would be circumcised. But here's the thing. In Jewish circles, the lineage of a son is traced through the mother because you always know who the mother is. And so in the Jewish mindset, he's a Jew, but he's like an apostate Jew. He's uncircumcised. Now, we know that as a follower of Jesus, he doesn't need to be circumcised to be saved. We just settled that in the last series, right, in Jerusalem. But Paul says, like, hey, I want you to go with me, but um, I need you to do me a favor. <laughs> it's just a little favor. Uh, but we need to have some minor surgery here. Uh, because the problem is, if Paul shows up, where does Paul go to share the message of Jesus? He always starts with Jews. And if Paul shows up in a synagogue with an uncircumcised Jew, that's going to close the door. Like, they're not going to want to hear anything else to say. And so he says to Timothy, hey, not for your salvation, but for the sake of the gospel, will you do me this favor? <laughs> and so Timothy is going to be circumcised. And uh, Paul's like, no, no big deal, no skin off my nose. But, you know, but uh, anyway. Uh, all right, so uh, let's see what happens. So 
Paul comes to Derby, and then he comes to Lystra. So you can see it on your map, where there's a disciple named Timothy, and his mother was Jewish, and she's a believer, but his father was a Greek. And so the believers in Lystra and Iconium spoke well of Timothy. Um, but uh, you know, had a great rep. But Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, uh, kind of fill the place of John Mark. So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in the area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek, and therefore, you know, he wouldn't be circumcised. And so, so they're gonna make this, he's going to make this major, I want you to have major sacrifice for the gospel. Not because he needs to be, but to be more effective for Jesus, he agrees to go through this very painful surgery. And so, and then as they travel from town to town, so you can see on your map, town to town, that's going to take in like, you know, Lystra, Iconium, uh, Pisidian, Antioch, right? Well, the churches that they'd started before, uh, says what they're doing is that they are delivering the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. That's the decisions of the Jerusalem council in, back in chapter 15, that you don't have to be circumcised to be saved, but you do need to leave your old life behind. You need to uh, give up your idolatry, sexual morality, and so on that we studied last week. And so they're delivering that um, for the people to obey. And uh, the, so the churches were strengthened in their faith, and they grew daily in numbers. And so this is a really exciting time because these are believers that have been uh, false Jewish teachers have gone in. You're not really saved yet because you're not circumcised or you're not. And so Paul and, and, and Silas come with the great news that, hey, no, you're truly saved. And as you're saved by the faith in Jesus, and so now as Paul and Silas are teaching the word, uh, ministering, prophesying, and so on, the church is being built up. They understand their freedom in Christ. They're excited. They're growing. They're thriving. And as a result, they're sharing Jesus with their friends. More and more people are coming to Christ. And the movement of Jesus is expanding as the light pierces the darkness. All right? So, so that's the passage. Now, if you're a regular here at Rocky Peak, you know that at this point is normally in the message where uh, we kind of say, okay, so now we've gone through the passage. Let's take uh, a few minutes and let's break it down and let's highlight some of the life uh, principles that flow out of it for our lives. But today, because we have so much to do, um, we're not going to do that. Um, but what I want to do is I want to tell you what I would have said if I had time to say it. All right? <laughs> so um, so I'm gonna, if, if I had time to say it, I would tell you three things. All right? Three life lessons that flow out of this. The first one, we would talk about conflict, right? And we would talk about that in the church of Jesus, I don't care how godly you are, how much you walk with God, how full of the spirit you are, how much character, that sooner or later, even in the movement of Jesus, there's always going to be conflict. You see it here in the top leaders. Paul, I mean, if Paul and Barnabas can't agree, and doesn't this kind of blow your mind? It's like, I'm like, like seriously, guys, can't you just pray and seek the Lord's will? On, I mean, can't you just come to, but they couldn't, right? And so lots of times, conflict happens because of bad reasons. But other times, conflict just happens. Right? And so in the, in the church of Jesus, we shouldn't be surprised when conflict happens. What we should do is we should say, how does God want us to work through this conflict? And one of the things, the cool things that happens here that you don't see obvious in the text is even when bad things happen, God often works it for good. Because one of the things that's going to happen is that at the end of his, towards the end of his life, Paul will write to Timothy, and he will refer to John Mark. And he'll say, hey, when you come, uh, could you be sure to bring Mark with me, with you, because he's very useful to me. So we're going to see a beautiful reconciliation between Paul. We don't really know if there was a, 
if it, you know, I, I'm not saying Paul was necessarily mad at Mark. He might just say, I don't want to take him. I don't think he's reliable. It's like nothing personal, you know. But for whatever it was, they worked through that, and that got fixed. The second thing was is that through this conflict with Paul and Barnabas, what ended up happening is a powerful team of uh, Christ uh, Jesus sharers multiplied. And from that one team, we now have two teams going different, different directions. So God is away. So if we had time, we would talk about conflict. All right, we don't have time. Uh, number two, the second thing we'd talk about if we had time is uh, we would talk about making sacrifices to share Jesus more effectively. You know, the Apostle Paul will later write in 1 Corinthians 9, powerfully, he'll say, he says, I will become all things to all people in order that by all means I might win some. So Paul will say, here's how that works. He says, when I'm with Jewish people, they're more conservative, they eat kosher. Fine, I'll eat kosher. I'll give up my rights. I mean, I could, I could eat whatever I want, but I'll give up my rights. I'll be like a Jew in order to raise Jews. I'll limit my freedom in order to reach Jewish people with the gospel. And that's what we see today when he said, when I was going to say sacrifices, Tim, uh, Timothy, it kind of was a sacrifice, but um, that when, when he has him circumcised, he doesn't have to do it. It's not required spiritually. The reason he does it and the reason Timothy makes this major sacrifice is completely for the sake of the gospel. And so Paul says, when I'm with Jews, I become like a Jew. He says, when I'm with Gentiles, I don't eat kosher. I don't follow the Jewish religious laws. He said, because that would create an impression that for them to come to Jesus, they have to do that. That would be an obstacle. So I'm, when, when I'm with my Jewish friends, I eat kosher. When I'm with my Gentile friends, I'll say, I'll take two BLTs. <laughs> Pass the ham. You know, um, beer and bratwurst. Um, so for Paul... Paul was always willing to give up his rights. It would help someone come to Jesus. And, you know, we need to have that mindset. Often in our jobs and so on, we want to have an influence for Jesus. There are probably some things we shouldn't talk about. They're not Jesus issues. You take, I understand this political issue or that thing, and just like you have to, I have to express myself. You just alienate everyone. Now they're never going to listen to you about Jesus because you're on all these other different issues. Uh, you see what I'm saying? Sometimes we have to bite our tongue. Sometimes we have to give up our rights. We have to give up our freedoms in order to help advance the gospel. And if we had time, I would talk more about that. Number three, the third thing I would talk about is that one of the marks of a healthy church is that it is a growing church. Now, not in every situation, but we've seen this throughout Acts. That the church of Jesus is always outward focused. That we exist for people who aren't here. That Jesus has called us not to just to create an incredible community of Christ followers who love one another. We're called to do that. But it's a community that always has an outward focus. We're always concerned with those who aren't here, who don't know. And so... As Paul and Silas come in and teach about the Jerusalem council and the decisions and the decrees, as they use their teaching gifts, the church is growing and thriving. And what happens 
as they're discovering who they are in Christ and growing, they're going out and they're sharing Jesus with their friends. And the movement is growing. And the mark of a healthy church is a, it's never us for and no more. Any church that says, well, we're too big. We don't have room. I can't get my seat anymore. I can't find parking. We have just said, you know what? We have forgotten what it's all about. We don't exist for ourselves. We exist for those who don't know. And so you see here, and if we had time, we would talk more about that. But we don't really have time. <laughs> so what I want to do today, instead of talking more about the light of the gospel, talking more about piercing the darkness, what I want to do today instead is I want to illustrate that. And I want to illustrate it both globally and locally. And so we're going to start today by showing you a video we put together. And it's a team that we sent out, much like the church at Antioch sent out a team, Paul and Silas. It's a church, a team that we sent out last November to a remote part of Mexico where the message of Jesus has rarely gone. I want to share that, st that story with you. And then we're going to come back and we're going to share stories of people here at Rocky Peak where the light is piercing the darkness and they've come to Jesus. Um, this weekend, we're baptizing 36 people at our three services. And, um, we're, uh, and the first two services have been amazing, just the stories. You know, we're baptizing people from eight years old to mid-60s, from gangbangers to people who grew up in kind of religious, orthodox, or kind of maybe Catholic, but kind of kicked the traces, came, came back, to people that met Jesus. I mean, just the stories are all over the map. This particular service, this beautiful thing, we've got a lot of Timothys. We've got a lot of, a lot of teenagers, uh, a lot of young people that are saying, you know what, I want to follow Jesus. I want to invest my life. And so we're going to start with the video, the global piercing the darkness. We're going to come back and see how Jesus is working here in our own midst. And we're going to have a lot of fun. So let's go to the screen. Amen. Your love is always breaking through the dark. And that's really what this series is about. We're going to watch as the message of Jesus goes for the first time into the ancient world around the Aegean Sea as it breaks into Turkey, as it breaks into Greece. And the first followers of Jesus hear about his name and they come to faith and their lives are radically shifted and transformed as the light breaks in the darkness. In fact, the Apostle Paul, when Jesus first appeared to him on the road to Damascus, he said, I'm sending you to open their eyes, to turn them from light, from the darkness to light from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of the Lord. And so this is what this series is about, is every week we're going to watch God break into our lives, revealing truth that illumines our darkness, teaches us how to follow him. Uh, next week, really looking forward to the message. It's one of the most fascinating passages of scriptures in all the Bible about God's leading in our lives. And so uh, next week the message is called Hearing God 101. And I hope you can uh, be here for that as we continue don't forget, at our sides of our uh, auditorium here in the worship center on, the, on my right, there's always a team after our service, every service, whether they mention it or not, they have badges on there, are part of our prayer team. So anytime you need prayer, whether I say it or not, over there after the service. Until then, you know, when Jesus came, he said he was the light of the world. And he once told his followers, follow the light while you have the light, that you might become children of light. And you know, when someone comes to Jesus for the first time, it's like the breaking through the clouds for the first time. It's like the, the dawning of a new day. But this is not the last time for us the light breaks. As followers of Jesus, as Proverbs says, 
The light of the righteous is like the dawning of a new day that grows brighter and brighter until full, full noon. And so our whole journey of following Jesus is not a one-time salvation, boom, we're in it. It's an ongoing revelation of light that leads us more and more to be like him. In fact, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, as we behold in his face the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus, we are transformed. And so that's why we gather. That's why we come together, that we might seek him, that he might speak more light be given, and as we follow the light, the next step in our journey is all we have to do, that he eventually leads us all the way home, and we become the people we're created to be. So may this week, may you be following the light in your life. May you not turn back to the dark. Keep following the light every step of the way that you might become sons and daughters of the light. And may the path of the righteous be your path that grows greater, brighter, and brighter until full day. And in the process... May you be transformed into the image of Jesus so that you can be part of the light of the world. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. I love you. See you next week.